What life are you living that inspires other people? Intentionally and purposely cultivate having a life you actually want to live in. Do the work and pursue victories that you can give away to others. Not just something you talk about or have read about, but an impartation of life. Show people the life you are building and then teach them how to build it. And another quote that I'm going to unpack is this. We're not fighting for a victory. We're not fighting for a life. We have a life. If you're a believer here, you have a life. You have a river in you. You have a life. It's not about trying harder to muster up enough courage, willpower and strength to get yourself to a place of victory or overflow. Rather, it's believing the truth that victory and peace, life in Christ, is actually where you start. And we're at a conference this week and Pete Carter was just talking about the River Thames and just saying around about, I guess the 1950s, the River Thames was so filthy and dirty and so polluted, there was no life in the river. All the fish were dead, all the species were dead. And then over time, and he was just referring to the fact that individual companies and factories and individual people started to change their attitude to the river in that sense. And now the River Thames today is one of the cleanest rivers in the whole world, if you take capital cities, and is teeming with life. So the believer starts with a river, starts with a river of life, of an encounter with God, full of the Holy Spirit. You are righteous and blameless without blemish. And God's heart is that river breaks over the dam of our lives and begins to flow out. And like Ezekiel says, begins to bring life and healing wherever it goes. And this talk is about, in one sense, what pollutes the river. How do we individually take responsibility for the river so that corporately the river flows out and brings change wherever we are? See, it's possible for individuals to have this, this, this life in them. You know, when you're born again from above, you become a new creature. You, you're a supernatural being. You know, you've got this life in you, this life from the kingdom of heaven. And it's possible for this life that's in you to somehow be prevented from flowing out and bringing influence wherever you go because of the fact both individually and corporately we can build carefully constructed boxes that we hide within. So there's this life in you. You're not on a journey to try and get life. You've got life. And to have a life with life in it, and to have a life you actually want to live, you have to know that the, you've already got it in you, and you're connecting to him who is already present. You're not waiting to get somewhere. You are somewhere. You're the beloved. You're righteous. But these carefully constructed boxes we build, we can hide in... Whole church communities can build them and hide in 
so that we can't be seen, so that we won't get disappointed, so that we won't get hurt. We hide behind these boxes. Vulnerability. So we won't be vulnerable, and we won't be bold, and we won't be courageous, so that we won't be seen. And God wants each person to see that carefully constructed box smashed so that in the shape of who you are, the life that's in you will flow out to the world around you and people will say, I see that you've got a life with life in it and you've got an impartation of life to give away. It's not just something you've read about, it's something you've experienced and God wants that to show up everywhere, whether you're naturally a a quiet person, an introverted person, an extroverted person, whatever shape or form, God wants there to be a life in you that draws other people. So this is about how to smash that box both corporately and individually and smash the bulletproof glass that we hide behind and come out of the bunker so that the world can see the life that we have. So the Holy Spirit can flow out like a river from each and every one of you and be like that whole Ezekiel thing of bringing healing to the nations and breakthrough wherever you go. So that who we are isn't hidden. So that this life within us becomes an uncontainable reality, which it is. But there's some pollution and there's some stuff that just needs to get out of the way so that the life can flow everywhere. So how does this happen? How does this happen? Because everyone here who knows Jesus has this immeasurably great life in them. (laughs) That when he became a Christian, he didn't distribute different measures of Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's in you. I love what Bill Johnson says. Holy Spirit's in you. He wants to get out. He wants to see this box smashed so that we can bring hope and transformation wherever we go. So how does this happen? How do we smash the bulletproof glass? How do we smash this box? How do we get out of the bunker? It's interesting what C.S. Lewis says. He says that the enemy, that Satan, loves to bring error in pairs. In other words, he, when he wants to tempt us with a way of reasoning, he likes to bring pairs of thoughts. And he wants to bring them in extremes of one another. And he doesn't really mind which extreme you go to, as long as it takes you to an extreme. He's happy. And so when we think about smashing the box that this life and this river wants to flow out, One of the enemy's strategies is to say, I'm going to bring you to one of two extremes. One extreme is make you extremely aware and miserable by looking at yourself. And the other extreme, make you incredibly passive by just looking at God. So the first extreme, his goal is he does not want the life that you have to flow out. And he doesn't want you to know how amazing and powerful you really are. And so one of his strategies, and we've looked at this, is accusing and stabbing and taking away your confidence. He wants you to be in this extreme where you're extremely self-aware and self-conscious. He wants you to look inwards and say, the reason the river's not flowing out is 
You're not compassionate enough. Yeah. So the river can't flow because you don't care enough. Um, You're not compassionate enough. Or one of his all-time favourite lies is, there's something something uniquely wrong with you. (laughs) Well, the river's flowing out all over the place from all those people, but it will never flow out from you. You are uniquely wrong. (laughs) Thank you for that encouragement. (laughs) Actually, Steve Backland, when he heard that lie from Bethel, said, God said to him, there's something uniquely wrong about everybody. <laughs> That's why Jesus had to come yeah. and live for us the righteous life and die for us in our place and be resurrected for us because there's something wrong with all of us. <laughs> He'll say, yeah, the river, it wants to flow out from you, but you need to muster up enough willpower. You need to try harder. It wants to flow out, but you need to pull up your socks and you need to want it more. You need to fix yourself first. Go and fix yourself. Try harder. Grit your teeth. Show God your knuckles are white. (laughs) And then maybe, maybe he may, he may, he may not let the river flow. The willpower doesn't work. Willpower is a counterfeit. It's a fake version of Holy Spirit self-control, the fruit of rubbing off or God rubbing off on us. And so one extreme then is try harder, grit your teeth. And then he says the other extreme, if you want to go to that extreme, is be completely passive and just say... Oh God, if you want the river to flow out of me, you know where I live. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, you know how much I hate the carefully constructed box I live in. Oh, if you want to smash it, be free. (laughs) Anytime you want. I'll wait for you. I'm so humble and dependent. Oh, mighty magician of heaven. (laughs) Would you do some magic on me? Would you sprinkle some fairy dust from some anointed person? And then, whoosh, the river could flow. (laughs) So he says... Willpower, try harder, or passivity. I'm powerless. I can't do it, which is true, we can't. But we're not powerless victims. That powerlessness, the sense of powerlessness, if you would meet me, If you would bring some anointed person to pray for me, then I would be all that I'm meant to be. If I could just get to a meeting or a place or a person, then this life that you've called me to would flow out. But I'm powerless, so I'm blaming you. If I'm not as fruitful as you want me to be, I blame you. 
or I'll blame my circumstances or I'll blame the people in my life. The truth is... So I can't live without you. <laughs> what is that song? <laughs> so the box gets smashed by living in this wonderful place right in the middle of there are things for me to do And I'm completely, absolutely reliant and dependent upon God. There are activities and habits and resolutions I can give myself to. But it's not willpower trying to change myself and fix myself. Because I'm utterly dependent at the same time. And it's that life of complete dependence and reliance and trust. And our activities that lead us to connection and trust. That the box that we've built that gets we get in or the box that we've built corporately to hide in gets smashed from two places it gets smashed from one side from sovereign intervention and encounter and it gets smashed to the other side by our cooperation and if we say an order I would say the order is sovereign divine intervention and our aligning and agreeing and trusting and walking according to the revelation that came in the intervention. Because we don't know what we don't know. Like all of us, before we became a believer in Jesus, we didn't know that he's the son of God and we didn't know he's as good as he says he is and we didn't even know if he exists and we didn't know if he was real and, and we didn't know the relevancy of who he was and who he is and what he has done until he broke in and gave a revelation until we raised literally from the spiritual dead that we woke up yeah. you can't fix yourself the apostle Saul or Saul before he becomes Paul in the New Testament he believes that Christians are anti-God and he believes he's actually righteous and holy to arrest them and bring them into prison and he's on his way to Damascus he's on his way to imprison people and Jesus breaks in in a sovereign intervention and encounter and says I'm Jesus you're persecuting me he has a revelation of God he's literally knocked off his donkey he has an encounter with who Jesus is we all need those moments where he, he meets us and knocks us off our donkey. Mm-hmm. Where we see what we didn't see before. That we're going along, we have a revelation. And then we suddenly are illuminated to be able to repent. And say, you know what, in this area I'm polluted. Or in this area I'm in a carefully constructed box. Or in this area, God, I'm living behind bulletproof glass. We need those moments. That's why intimacy, relationship, connection, trust are foundation and fundamental. We live our life in this space of humility. I don't know what I don't know. We went to the church in Redding, California in 2011. And we went to Bethel and on the Sunday night... 
There'd been about an hour and a half of worship, and I think Bill Johnson got up to begin to speak. And as we were looking in this corner, there were just the beginnings of gold dust floating around. Little sprinkles hovering, not falling. And that grew, and that grew, and that grew, and that grew. At the same time, someone's praying for me, and I'm having an encounter with God in which I feel like I'm being electrocuted. I don't know what God is saying, I just know this is a physical encounter with God. He's wonderful, peaceful, I know it's God, and it's an amazing time. And I don't know whether the guy thought I was going to die, but he seemed to feel better stopped, because I'm not sure if this guy's body is going to be able to cope with what God is doing right now. And I don't really, at that moment, I didn't really know what God was doing in that encounter. But suddenly, I was like a consumer of worship like I'd never, ever been in my life. Like, I could not stop listening to worship music. And I, I love early 80s electronic music, still love it, still enjoy it, still find it fun. There was something in me that said, I don't want to listen to anything else. I don't want to listen to anything else. I want to worship. I want to worship. If I'm walking along the street, I want to sing it out. I want to shout it out. I want to talk to God. I want to worship God. I want this to be everything. And I was the kind of guy before, would go to a conference and I would be thinking, worship's good, but get to the teaching. Get to the teaching. That's the bit I've come for. Get this bit over with. Get to the teaching. Or I'd be the kind of guy who would be in a meeting and you'd feel the presence of God and my initial reaction would be, do you, want to, do you want to give a gift through me? Do you want to give a gift through me? I had a kind of utilitarian, I used the presence of God. I wanted the presence of God because I wanted the manifestation of the gifts. Not just I wanted to be with him. And then something happened in a sovereign intervention where I was completely changed in a literally... Five minute prayer. A whole mindset got shifted. A whole 16 year mindset got shifted in a sovereign encounter. We have to be those who are saying, I'm always open for a fresh encounter. I'm always open for a fresh intervention. I'm always open because change comes from two sides. It starts with you, you reveal something. When I'm reading the Bible, I want to see what I've not seen before. I want to understand at a deeper level. I want to be, have my eyes open to any area where I'm living behind a bulletproof glass or wherever. Any area where I'm living in a carefully constructed box. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And we want freedom and the liberation of the, 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 the distribution of everything that God has got for us. And so it comes from two sides. Sovereign intervention and our cooperation. So Joshua in Deuteronomy gets a sovereign intervention in Deuteronomy 34 and verse 9. Joshua gets something that he didn't work for, didn't earn, didn't deserve. He gets an impartation. It says in chapter 34 and verse 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because... Moses laid his hands on him. Moses laid his hands on him. He gets a spirit of wisdom. He gets something because somebody, Moses, imparted 
something to him. He was given something from God that was going to cause him to succeed. It's an impartation, it's something from his mouth, his word, an encounter, an experience that's planted inside your heart like a seed in a garden. So every time you open up the Bible and it jumps out and you get a revelation of God, good news, finished work, intimacy, relationship, your adoption, every time... You've just received an impartation. It says Moses laid his hands on him. Now, men and women can impart and give something. We look for impartation. That's why in that sense it's good to go to the meeting and say, I want an impartation. I want to receive something from you. I want an impartation of your, of your faith in God. I want an impartation of your gifting. It's good to have that expectancy. Joshua got that impartation that set him up for success. When you have a prophetic word and God says something about who you're becoming and where you're going, that's a seed that's got planted in the soil of your life. It's a sovereign encounter with God that plants something in you. But that's not the end of the story. Because in Joshua chapter 1, God says, Hey Joshua, you've been set up for success, but success is not inevitable. That you've been set up, Moses laid his hands on you, as a seed of wisdom and revelation and that capacity to lead has been imparted to you, Joshua. But now, if you're going to lead these people into the land, if you're going to outwork what the impartation has given you, you're going to need to cooperate. In other words, Joshua, I'm not just going to zap you into the promised land. I'm not just going to sprinkle fairy dust over you and ping the walls of Jericho are down and AI is taken and the giants are gone. Joshua, you're going to need to cooperate with the impartation. You're going to need to cooperate with the thing that I placed in you. And it says in chapter 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross over the river into the land I'm about to give them to the, to the Israelites. I will give you every place. I will give you every place. Sovereign encounter. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be giving you every place. I'm going to be giving you every place. I'm going to be the one who's going to call Jericho's walls to fall down. I'm going to give you victory over Ai. I'm going to give you victory over the giants. Every place. And then he says, where you set your foot. Sovereign encounter. I'm promising you this. I've imparted to you this. I've given you a word about this. This is my guarantee, my promise to you. Hey, but you're going to cooperate with me. This breakout, this flow, this blessing to the land, this, this breakthrough of God is going to depend on every place where you step. You're going to need to do something. He says, no one's going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. God speaking, planting seeds of reassurance and confidence and courage and promise. I'm with you. Just like I was with Moses, I'm with you. I'm never going to leave or forsake you. Everywhere you go, I'm going to be. And then he says, be strong and courageous. Sovereign encounter, his response, be strong, be courageous. I've given a promise, you're going to cooperate with a promise by being strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, he says again. Be careful to obey all the law of of my servant Moses, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Other translation could be mutter it, speak about it, chew over it, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Other translations say, then you will make your own way prosperous and successful. So it's not this, pull up your socks, grit your teeth, white knuckles, something uniquely wrong with you, try harder. It's this wonderful place of intervention, promise, prophetic word, God's commitment, our cooperation, our decision. You know what? I am going to be strong and courageous. So Joshua is told that his life-giving practices, how he interacted with God's promises, his moment-by-moment choice when he's faced with things to say, in this moment right now, I'm going to recall the truth that you said, never will you leave me or forsake me. When you said, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to recall, I'm going to think about that no one will be able to stand against me all the days of my life. And when I'm faced with challenges and difficulties and and, and setback, I'm going to remind myself of what God has said. That's why God says to him after Ai, when they're defeated because of Achim's sin, God says to, to Joshua, why are you on the floor? Because he wasn't meant to be on the floor begging. He was meant to remember who he is and what God has promised. And he was meant to think according to the promise. So Joshua is told that these life-giving practices, how he interacted with God's promises... Choosing courage over discouragement had the power to make his way prosperous and successful. So you and I are really powerful in this whole business of a river flowing out. We're really, really powerful in it. We're really, really commissioned to be people who recognise who we truly are and what God has promised. important part of our identity to realise we're not stuck we're not stuck we don't need to passively wait that there are things we can do right now, right here to cooperate 
with his impartation and his prophecy and the life that he's given us. There are things that we can do to cultivate the soil. There are things that we can do to look after the soil of our hearts. There are rocks that we can remove. There are weeds that we can pull up. There are things that we can do to make sure no fear chokes out the life in the seed. There are things that God has said, you can make your own way prosperous and successful. There are choices, there are practices, there are things that you can do that's going to cultivate the soil of your heart and cultivate the soil of the corporate heart so that the river flows out increasingly with momentum and power and fresh water. I would say my observation is people who are beginning to connect with their calling and their destiny and are beginning to bear fruit that abide, the secret ingredient under all of them is their connecting and trusting relationship with God. All of them. All the people who are coming alive in the things of God. All the people whose testimonies are growing and increasing outflow is out of, I'm connecting personally to him in trust. I'm believing what he said and I've learned how to connect and how to meditate and how to draw on the strength of God increasingly. And it, it doesn't have to look like one shape. It can be a multitude of different ways and different shapes of outflow. It doesn't have to look one way, but that's the absolute key ingredient. I'm trusting God specifically. I'm looking to God specifically. So life-giving practices, resolutions, habits, the things we do over and over again that connect us to God are absolutely crucial for co-laboring and partnering with the prophetic words that God has given us and the promises that he's given us. Things that cultivate connection and faith specifically in God. So, why do we make declarations? We make declarations because it's a habit, it's a, it's a resolution, it's a practice. Because God said life and death is in the power of the tongue. Because God said you can direct your whole life by the words that you speak. And so our practice is, it's not just a kind of a, um, just a mantra. It's a mechanism to connect us to the reality that we're a lot more powerful than we realise. And the things we say in agreement with God are powerful. Why would we laugh at lies? Because God laughs when he hears what the enemy is planning and what the enemy is doing. God laughs and faithful practices like when we hear a lie we laugh is a mechanism to say I'm connecting to the reality God that you think this explanation of my life is funny when I say it out loud. What we constantly hear we believe. That repetition is key. That if you've got prophetic words and promises, think about them again and again and again. Meditate on them. Write about them. Ponder them. Chew them over again and again and again and again. Until what you think gets right into your bones. It becomes the way you reason, the way you think. That you can't reason any other way than believing no one will be able to stand against me all the days of my life. As you were with X, Y and Z, these great men and women of the faith, you're with me. You're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. I can be strong. I can be courageous. I can take steps 
to take land in the areas that you have given me to take. I'm going to think about this until this knowledge, this reality, this prophetic promise becomes the very thing I live and breathe. It becomes the lens I see everything and everyone and every circumstance through. Because I'm not just going to wait for you to, 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 to go ping me in the land. I'm not going to go introspective and beat myself up. I'm going to live in this place of hearing your sovereign encounter and then aligning, responding, repenting, thinking in line with what you've said again and again and again. What I hear constantly, I end up believing. I'm going to think about the thoughts I want to dominate my life. You know, some people will say, oh, it's really hard for the gospel here. That's not a thought I want to dominate my life. Thought I want to dominate my life is the grace of God is more pronounced wherever it's more difficult, apparently. It's not too hard for God. Like Tim was saying, that the weak say, I am strong. We know about our pasts, we know about our limitations, we know about our potential weaknesses, but do we know how strong we are? Are we meditating on that and letting that thought become a thing that dominates us? I am more than enough. His impartation has set me up for success. See, when God gives a prophetic word about who we are and where we're going to go and what we're going to be and the fruit that we're going to bear, he didn't say that to seduce and trick you. He didn't say it to, to, to lie to you or deceive you. He said it because he's laying it out in the front of you and saying, now think and reason and plan in line with that word. He's not a cruel joke God. He doesn't promise us things just to be like a banana skin for us to slip over and say, ha ha ha. You believe me for too much. It's funny when they do that. <laughs> he says, no, I know that this is who you are right now. I want to give you a glimpse of where you're going. I want to give you a glimpse of where you're going. I want to give you a glimpse of the kind of fruit that you, you are going to bear in unity and abiding and trusting in me. I want you to know that I'm creating in you a world that can carry that kind of fruitfulness. That I want to create a world in you that can thrive bearing that amount of fruit. I want to teach you that it's all possible through abiding and through trusting and through cooperation with me. He's setting us up for more and more success. Your impartation has set me up for success. <coughs> I have the ability in you, Jesus, to accomplish this. So his power works in these faith-filled resolutions. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 talks about how the resolutions, the habits, the practices, the things we do again and again, when those things are connected to, I'm doing this because of faith in you, God. I'm laughing at lies because I'm connecting to you, God, in this and trusting you, God. I'm doing these declarations because I'm trusting you and I'm connecting to you. Faith-filled resolutions, the things we do over and over again, can become the place of not just a daily encounter, but an hourly encounter with God. Those things that we do and say, this is how I connect to you. This is how I'm going to cooperate with you. This is how I meditate on what you've said. This is how I meditate on the promises. I'm going to encounter you. And God's power works in those resolutions, in those habits, in those practices. Holy Spirit, 
comes in and strengthens and fortifies and changes the culture of our hearts and gives revelation of maybe rocks or stones in the garden that need to be cleared. And then he gives the power and the capacity and the willingness and the joyful repentance to pull them up and weed them out and say sorry. Not worldly sorrow, but godly sorrow that leads to a change of mind. Power is not just the powerful meeting we might go to every now and again. It's these moment by moment things. I'm going to meet with you here. (coughs) Just to finish with this then. My, each person, you just need to find your own routine, okay? your own way of connecting. I start off personally with a couple of chapters of the Bible, audio Bible, just going through the Bible in the year. Love to just hear the overview, the big scope of the Bible and hear the, hear the whole account again and again and again, how it all fits together. I love that. The you, the you Bible is fantastic because if you struggle to read and you think, I don't get this, you can put an audio version on and it can read it to you. Fantastic. You can read along and just let the Bible read it to you. Sometimes just for your devotionals, finding a version like the message or something, just for just getting an overview and easily understandable. Let it soak over you. The U Bible is also fantastic because in the top left-hand corner is a little video that's only seven minutes, which will tell you the whole historical context of that book, who wrote it, when they wrote it, why they wrote it, and what God was saying through it. Amazing little animation in the corner. I start with that. Then I often get moments of revelation and impartation when you're watching a preach. So this is, I'm just... This is me, I'm, I'm wanting to connect, I'm wanting to stir, I'm wanting to connect to God, I want to get my day going. I want to, you know, when we wake up in the morning, sometimes we have to be aware there's thoughts from yesterday coming back of what we didn't do, what we, you know. So I'm thinking, I'm not going to go there. So I've got my Bible, and then I've got preachers that have impacted me. So if a particular section of a preach impacts me and really moves me, I, I, I video record it on my phone, on an app. And I let that segment of the preach speak to me every day. It's like a prophecy every day. That I'm, I knew I met God in that moment. He spoke to me deeply. I had an encounter in that moment. There's a truth in that. I really want to get deep into my soul. And I let that speaker, preacher, teacher or interview just come to me every single day. And then I begin to take it. I've got a whole load of declarations I've got. Some of them are about, I want to connect to you today and love you today. I can't be disappointed if my goal is to know you better today. Things like that. And I just speak them out and say, God, your will for me is thanksgiving and gratitude. And I've got other declarations. I'm going to look for joy in the simple everyday moments, not just the extraordinary. And I just orientate my life towards gratitude and thanksgiving. Because that's your will for me, that I'm grateful now sometimes then I'll begin to say I'm going to start journaling and writing because something in the, the, the thing I listen to in the morning has now touched my heart I want to write about it and, 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 and meditate on it and think about it and chew over it um, each week I will read the same tiny little book every week Tim Keller's book on the joy of self-forgetfulness the power of the gospel from 1 Corinthians 3 through to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. I read it every day because I had an encounter with God 
in it and I'm digging deep and I'm meditating on it, I'm chewing over it until I feel in my spirit, well, I'm moving on now. Or, so some of the declarations, I would use them for three years until the knowledge got into my bones. And once it's in my bones, it's mine. But I need to think about it, renew my mind, and it needs to be repeated again and again until knowledge becomes active in my bones, until I'm not just saying it, I'm doing it, I'm believing it, I'm thinking. And I keep going again and again and again. And I'm looking for his power, the Holy Spirit, to be working in these resolutions. I'm, I'm sensing his power listening to that clip, or going through the Bible, or the declarations, or the journaling. I'm looking for an encounter with him so I can cooperate with him. So I can think like he thinks on a particular area. And so I'm all the time developing practices, getting rid of practices, creating new practices. So that my confidence is not in the practice, my confidence is in the way that it connects me to trusting faith in him and an encounter with him. Because I'm not waiting over here for him to sprinkle fairy dust on me. And I'm not over here beating myself up and saying, fix yourself, pull up your socks. I can't fix myself. But I know in this place of dependent reliance, of sovereign encounter, you're going to speak to me again and again and again. I'm going to hear your voice again, your affirmation, your confirmation. You're always talking. You're always speaking hope. You're always building me up. You're speaking so much. But I realised he was speaking so much, but I wasn't stewarding and looking after all these amazing things. And then what would happen, he would graciously and kindly bring me all the way around again, and I'd hear it again. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. And he realised, I heard that three years ago. It's like a sushi conveyor belt, where, you, where the prawns come around, and I missed it. Don't worry, they'll come around again. But I'm, think, but I'm thinking, why don't I, what about if I grab it, and enjoy it, and eat it, and dig deep into it until, well, here's another thing. Here's another thing. And that's what God is saying to Joshua. I've imparted success to you. I've given you prophetic promises. That's what he says to us. You're going to outflow. You're going to carry buckets of the presence. SD18 is yours if you want it. We are going to be influencers. And we are becoming influencers. We had an amazing thing on Love Plumstead where we were interacting with local council. He's giving us favour. He's giving us opportunities. He's raising our profile. He's causing there to be success. Love Plumstead was great. Real gospel opportunities to point people to Jesus. I just saw one young guy, heavy burden, about his exams. And, and, and Pam and Gary prayed for him. And they just said after he left, he waved because someone loved him someone lifted the burden of him someone gave some hope to him someone pointed him to the one who carries so outflow, success we've got an impartation it's going to grow, we are going to change the atmosphere of a whole community we are going to see a river that's increasingly wonderfully beautiful life giving, we are going to pull out the pollution in, 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 within our own rivers and I'm going to cooperate with you God not in some heavy way, we start righteous we start blameless, we start accepted it's not somewhere we're going to hoping to get one day, that's where we start, we're just understanding that there's a little bit of pollution in, in different areas and sovereign encounter, cooperation in joy, in peace, in life clears it and so God we thank you that your heart is for the thousands of men and women in our community to know and encounter the goodness and kindness of God 
and, and we say, God, we want to be each tending, as it were, our part of the river, so that as a corporate body, something increasingly is going to flow out more and more and more and more, that you're going to bring increase to the stories and to the testimonies and to the things that you're going to do. God, we thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We thank you that you are the God of encouragement, affirmation and confirmation. We thank you that love believes all things and love hopes all things. We thank you that you are so kind and gentle in the way that you mature us and transform us. And I ask you, God, for each person to go away this week and say, what does it look like for me to connect to God? What are the resolutions, the habits, the things, the practices that I can put in front of me when I wake up so that I can connect to the life-giving source of God, so that I have a life with life in it, so that I can give away life wherever I go and bring life with me to school and bring life with me to the bus stop and bring life with me wherever I go and I know how to get more of that life. I know how to get more of that life because I know how to connect and I know how to draw on the vine. So I pray for that, that as a corporate body, there'd just be life and life and life and life and life. And we'd say as a body, we know how to get this life. We know how to get more of it. We bring it with us wherever we go. We bring it with us wherever we go and we're saying that anything that holds back that river, we just won't put up with. And that's the beauty and the glory and the wonder of repentance. We love repentance, God. We love it. We love it when you reveal how you think and we get to adjust to you. We love it, God, when you knock us off our donkey. We love it, God, when you show us another way of being, another way of doing. We just say, yeah, you, God, that's a better way. I'll do it that way. We love it, God. We love the dynamic that it's not heavy or burdensome or crushing. We love it, God. We love you. We love you so much. And we love what you're doing amongst us. Amen. Amen.